Musicians Life Podcast. This podcast features interviews with a diverse group of musicians in different fields of the music industry, and my intent is that the audience will gain something from each guest's story. This episode features my conversation with Jesse Hameen. Jesse has been a professional drummer and educator his entire life, and has worked with many of the biggest names in jazz. A short list includes Ruth Brown, Stanley Turrentine, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions, Jimmy McGriff, Hank Crawford, Lou Donaldson, Tommy Flanagan, Rodney Jones, Pharaoh Sanders, Blue Mitchell, Kenny Burrell, Curtis Fuller, Bobby Watson, Freddie Hubbard, Dr. Lonnie Smith, David Fathead Newman, Kenny Barron, and Curtis Fuller. I sat down with Jesse last August at his home in New Haven, Connecticut. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in the podcast app and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation to this podcast on our homepage at www.andrewhalljones.com. You'll see a link for A Musician's Life. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at amusiciansLifePodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at MusicianLifePod. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Here's my conversation with the great Jesse Hameen. Well, Jesse Hameen, man, it's great to see you, and thank you so much for taking the time to do this today, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to, uh, to have you interview me, and you know, I, 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 I'm uh, very impressed with what you are doing because what you're trying to do, you're trying to help people. And that's what it's all about in life. You know, yeah. you, um, you want to, whatever we do in life, you want, to, want, want there to be a, a residual effect to it, you know? So sure. we want to, you know, we want to affect others in a positive way. And, and, and if, if anything we can do to help someone else, that's a blessing for us. Absolutely, man, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Jesse, where did you grow up, man? I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven, Connecticut. Were you born at, what hospital were you born at? I was born, in New Haven Hospital. All right. Yeah, yeah, now it's called Yale New Haven Hospital. Yeah, same, same here. I was also born in Yale New Haven Hospital. Oh, beautiful. So uh, what did your parents do? My, uh, my parents, my, my, uh, my father worked in the factory. Okay. So he grew up down south on, yeah. on, a, on a farm. And um, then he um, moved, moved to Connecticut when he was 19. Okay. And uh, he met my mother. Uh-huh. My mother, she moved up here during the same time. So yeah. I think they both moved up here. I think my father came up here about 1939-ish. My mother came up here around 1940, something like that. Okay. And uh, so they both moved to New Haven? Right. From okay. Two, two, two different parts of North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, my father's from Greenville. My mother's from Mount Gilead. Okay. And um, so when you were growing up, was there a lot of music in your house? There was, there, yes, there was. Now, my, my mother and father didn't, um, uh, they weren't musicians. Uh-huh. But over here, um, on um, my mother's side of the family, there's about, um, about 100 of us. My father's side, there's about at least 700, maybe a little more than that. Wow. Here in the greater New Haven area. <clears throat> so my father's side, many of them are in the church. Mm-hmm. And some of the best gospel musicians in the greater New Haven area and in the state, yeah. are my family members. Yeah, you know, so uh, we're singing, we're playing the uh, playing playing the, the piano, the organ, and the, the, the drums. Yeah. So um, and when I first um, 
the church, I, I came out of the Free Will Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the drum set at first. Mm -hmm. It was the tambourines. And them tambourines used to groove. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, I had a strong, strong, strong experience in the church. Yeah. And, and most of my family, there was a piano in the house. Uh huh. And you go to someone's house, they break out singing some gospel, and you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting there, and somebody starts saying, somebody jump on the piano, and they yeah. start saying. So I grew up like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so uh, you so were you playing like when did you first get it that you wanted to try the drums? Were you playing tambourine in church or like when did it, when did the drums jump out at you? Um, I don't remember. My mother said that as long as um, pardon me, my mother said that when I was first able to grab something, I stopped beating out rhythms. Yeah. As long as I can remember, I was beating out rhythms mm. and hearing rhythms. Yeah. So, I knew I was born to do this. Mm. And um, my little boy, they used to buy me drum sets, you know, and I would have drum sets. And my father, always, every every weekend, they had a lot of visitors because my, my mother, there was 12 of them. Right. And, um, you know, my, my father had um, a lot of cousins. Mm -hmm. My mother, all, all her, there was 12 of them, but two had died before I was born. But the other 10, they visited each other every week. And my father had all these cousins, first cousins, they all visit visited each other and so when people come out my father pull my drums out and I play for them and nice. people used to throw nickels and dimes and sure. a quarter was a lot of money back then yeah know, man in, back in the 40s you know right so. <laughs> so um so what about music in school were you ever did well, you participate in a band program or anything like okay here's what happened yeah in school um back in I was born in 1941 so back around uh 1948, something like that. I had this teacher, her name was Miss McDonald. That was at a school called Winchester School. Now mm -hmm. the school is called um, a Wexter Grant. Mr. Wexter was the principal, and Ms. Helene Grant mm -hmm. was, the, uh, was one of the teachers. And she's one of the first African-American teachers. Mm -hmm. So, and then, then we had a uh, Miss McDonald. Um, she was um, a really, really nice lady. So Miss McDonald, she taught us how to do the square dance, the, the, you know, the call the cadence for the square dance, mm -hmm. do -si do and all that. All that stuff, yeah. How to do the tango, the waltz, the cha-cha, the mambo. Yeah. And all the all the all these dances, the, yeah. the ballroom, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, uh, did I say waltz? Waltz. You said, yeah. yeah, all all the, all these all these dances she taught us how to do, you know. Mm -hmm. So so um and we solicited different types of music. This is 5th grade. Yeah. 5th and 6th grade. Yeah. And then um so she um, heard me and some of my other friends, she heard us playing on our drums and doing, yeah. doing the handbone. You yeah. familiar with the handbone, right? So. Are you familiar with the handbone? I'm not sure. Well, I have something in mind, but show me. Right. <laughs> That's beating on, on, on your thigh, your chest. You right. Know? So we had about. About I don't know about eight or nine of us, and we yeah. wear our jeans and, and, and do do the handball handball groove, you know. And the, okay, yeah. And we used to play the, the spoons and, the, and the, the sticks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then there was a person named, um, and she used to encourage encourage us. Okay. So um, that was my first uh, real performance. Mm -hmm. Then we had an, an, um, another. I'm, what I'm saying, this is the importance of teachers. Some people are teachers. Some are educators. Educators bring out 
what's in someone. That's what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and not trying to do what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and and me also. That's why I try to I, I try to educate, not just teach, but educate. You know, bring some out of the studio. Yeah. You know? So so um, so that she encouraged myself, and there's a great Kungara, Billy Fitch. Bill Fitch died. Google him. You see that um, he uh, he used to be with Cal Jaden when he was like. 18, right out of high school, but he's 19, I think he was 19 years old when he joined okay. when he joined uh, Cal Jada. So Bill Fitch, myself, they had Paul Huggins who passed away last year. He, he knew all the Afro-Cuban rhythms, mm-hmm. and he's one that taught us. So he's eight years old, he started teaching us clavering. Mm-hmm. You know, all the different clavering rhythms and the cascade rhythms and how to do maracas and mm-hmm. all, the, all these bongos and congas, you know, so, so that, during, during that two year period, when I was eight to when I was 10, we um we used to sell rags when the rag man come, rag man, rag man. We sell rags when somebody move out of the house. We go get the clothes hangers and the rags, and you get two cents for clothes hangers back in the forties and in the early fifties. And so, um, cause people recycled. It wasn't like now you had a whole bunch of garbage, just just food. Now mm-hmm. you go go to people's um um trash can. There's so much stuff in it. We put out our trash cans every week. Right. So it wasn't like that. We didn't have all that plastic either. It was paper, paper bags. We'd have all this, all this plastic like we have now. <clears throat> so we sold items to raise money. And after t- two years, we got enough money to get, to get, uh, get uniforms. We had nice uniforms with the, we just called ourselves the Cuban Knights. And we had, we had the nice shirts with the ruffles on, on the sleeves. Nice, and yeah. a, a, bow, a black bow tie, black pants, and a cummerbund. Nice. And, and the ruffle thing in the front. And we, and we had real, real nice stuff. I mean, we bought, right. in, bought instruments. And so we started doing gigs, man. I was 10, yeah. 10 years old, we was doing gigs. And, and, and some of the nice venues, I mean, yeah, you yeah. Know, as well as like community centers, Jewish centers, yeah. things of that nature. But we yeah. opened up, like, there's a place called Eagles Hall. We used to have a lot of shows. And then we used to open up some time for the shows at Eagles Hall. And right. It was, it was beautiful. That's so, great, man. So, um, and I wasn't in a school band. Right. You know, uh, we didn't really, really like in middle school, or you didn't have them. And in, in, in the high school, I went to Hill House. They had the, the marching band. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be in the marching band. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess I got turned off because when I was a little boy, they had a nice marching band in the Dixwood area, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let me in the marching band. And I knew every rhythm, but I didn't know the rudiments. Mm-hmm. So the rudiments, you know, as you know, there's certain yeah. proper sticking. So my sure. my left hand go. I'm playing the rhythm. we playing the rhythm right, but my left hand's up, and somebody's right hand's up. So I didn't know. I didn't know. I know sure. the rudiments. So, yeah. so it was more than uh, just knowing the knowing the rhythms. Is you know uh, the sticking and yeah and the application. So I I um I didn't uh, uh, uh join the band in, at, in high school. Gotcha. So so around your high school years, like when did when did you start like checking out jazz? I started checking out jazz when I, when I was a little boy. My mother, and father used to listen to Louis, Louis Jordan. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you, so, like, when did you Jimmy start Scott. playing jazz drum set? Like, when did you you were playing the Afro Cuban stuff with your friends, having yeah, some right, gigs? Right. But when did you like go to the drum set as an instrument? Uh, I, I went to drum set as an instrument when I was about. I started liking the drums as an instrument when I was when I got more more closer to to. 16, 17, you know. Okay. So it's like 17, I really got into it deep. So so when you were, so when you got into it deep, who were some drummers that you were like listening to or checking oh, out? Oh, prior to that, I mean, um, before, even before now, I used to listen, listen to uh, uh, 
Our Blakey, uh, uh, Philly Joe, yeah. uh, you know uh, Papa Joe, yeah. you know all all all, the, all these people. I was listening to yeah. them, you know, cause when I was when I was a teenager, when I was like 13, 14 years old, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we used to listen listen, you know, James Brown and everybody else, yeah. and uh, Ruth Brown and all them, uh, uh, yeah. all all those groups, and but yet and all the R and B of our time, and mm-hmm. and we had a lot of the some great R and B came out of here out of New Haven too, like the Five Satins and Nutmegs, the Chestnuts. Some great groups. A lot mm-hmm. of people only only know about uh, the uh, uh, Five Satins, right? Fred Paris of the Five Satins, you know, uh-huh. and still tonight. But we had some other groups, man. They had some serious harmony, but just Fred Paris of them were blessed to, yeah. to, to, to make it real big. But right. some, but they went. To, they were just a regular group here. They were they were great now. Right. But we had other groups equal them. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had some serious groups in New Haven. So so then um, we used to have parties. My, my my friends mm-hmm. and and we, we 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 I was a great dancer. We used to go to have a lot of dances and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my friends, we used to get together and 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 uh, listen to like say Miles Davis got no album. Let's listen to we we we'd have party. We listen to Miles. I'm 13, 14 years old. Yeah, some of them knew that Miles or someone else had out, and we right. we dissect the music and listen to it. And yeah, you know, and every everyone wasn't musicians, but we just loved the music. Right, we learned to scat the solos. Yeah, I mean we we we, we were into it. So then. Um, when I was seven, 17, I really got in, into it heavy. You know, I went right. into service at 17, too. Okay. And I... Um, so I, did you gra- you graduate from Hill House? I, not, or? I, 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 I got frustrated. Yeah. And, and left, you know, you know uh, I left. What happened is um, the same teacher, Miss McDonald. Uh-huh. Same time she was teaching us all the square dancing and the, and the, the, the mambo, the cha-cha, the yeah. waltz. Same time, she, myself and some of my other friends, she had me doing a, you know, like a like a normal long back bo- uh, blackboard in school, like by eight feet. Yeah. Um, the uh, eight, eight feet in the uh, um, um, the width. Mm-hmm. She had me factoring algebra equa- equations like that in fifth grade, long as a board. I mean, yeah. So she recognized my intellect, and she got me into a program at Yale. It's called Ulysses S. Grant Scholarship Foundation. So seventh and eighth grade, I went to um, went to Yale, mm-hmm. and I had algebra and, and English. And mm-hmm. I was getting you know good uh, A's and B's. Yeah. And so so um, what happened at the end of it? I was supposed to supposed to go to um, one of the prep schools, like a, a Hoskins Grammar School. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of people went to with the Hoskins. Mm-hmm. And so I told my mother, I said, Ma. I said, something's not right here, you know. So uh, she said, what do you mean something's not right? So I don't feel good down there. When I'm down at Yale, I said, I'm learning a lot. I said, but uh, so you know how you feel like, even as a youngster, I, I, I um, experienced a lot of death. I, got, I have a huge, huge family. Mm-hmm. Even, even when I was six, when my grandmother died, mm-hmm. we went, went down south. Down At that time, people would have the body, the wakes would be in the living room in the house. Mm-hmm. So I I I'd have a fever fever body and I would sit there in the, in the couch the the bodies in the casket in the living room mm-hmm. go to bed you know the bodies in there so then you know that's where you did it down south yeah. you know so back in in the forties so that was like what uh, I was six I was born in forty one so I was nineteen or forty seven when mm-hmm. my grandmother passed so so I'm I'm used to being around uh, uh, funerals and dead people right so I said I said Ma so you know how it feels like when you in a, a funeral parlor. Uh, or when you're in a like a hospital when it's cold, I said, "Well, that's how I feel when I'm down at Yale." 
mm. you know, so I'm learning, but uh, that's how my whole spirit feels. Yeah. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to continue with this stuff. Like yes. Yeah. So my mother said, no problems. I know, I understand you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and they wasn't feeding me what I wanted. Right. So 12th grade, I said, I can't take it. Right. So I, I got out of there. Yeah. And I, I went to service. Went to service. Yeah. So, and that's the same time you said, like, you were 17, you started really get, hitting yeah, the drums, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was stationed, in, I was stationed in, in, uh, in uh, Scotland first. So uh -huh. I said, go up there and play with all the Scottish musicians. Then I stayed in Scotland for a year. Yeah. Then um, I was blessed to, to um, get stationed in England at the Bryce Norton, which is Oxford, mm -hmm. uh, England. That's about 72 miles from London. Mm -hmm. And I used to be in London all the time. Yeah. And at, at that time, Tubby Hayes, I don't know if you heard of Tubby Hayes. You can Google him, Tubby mm -hmm. Hayes. Uh, Ronnie Scott, mm -hmm. uh, Joe Harriet, I mean, they, all these guys were giants, mm. and you know, and and like like all the groups like Train and everybody used to come through there, you know, London, you know, London series. Yeah. So when I used to go to London, all these guys used to used to um, uh, um, let, let me say them. What's what's the oh boy the, uh, the drama that was with? Um, help me out. Um, with who? I think he's been with the police. I think it was Stuart Copeland. No. With the police. I think he's from England. Was he with the police? Oh boy, um, what's his drummer's name? I was talking about, so we were talking about him last week. I'm going back to here to like 1959, um, 50, 96, uh, uh, Baker, Ginger Baker. Ginger Baker, yeah. What group was Ginger Baker? With? I know Ginger Baker, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know Ginger Baker is a jazz drummer. Yeah. I mean, serious jazz drummer. Mm -hmm. So so I, I used to uh, be there and Ginger said, hey man, come on play something, man, come on, <laughs> come on say that, man. <laughs> And him wow. and all, all, all the drummers, all yeah. of them, and the Tubby Hayes and them guys, these were giants, man. These guys, yeah. they, they, they used to uh, uh, treat me nice, man. And, you know, I would, uh, me and some of the other guys that was in the service used to play jazz. We'd go down London, London and set in with them. Right. So. So when you, you mentioned that you saw Coltrane in London, what era of Coltrane was that? Was that with Elvin or like Art okay. Taylor? Or? That, that was when, when um, My Favorite Things came out. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. When my favorite things came out, I heard, heard I said, "Oh, I loved it." So when so when he uh, came, there was um, two groups. It was it was Diz uh, with his group. Mm -hmm. Then was Train with his group. Train had Elvin, McCoy, Reggie Workman, and Eric Dolphy. Mm -hmm. And when they hit. I said, oh man, it's playing my favorite thing. I said, oh man, I felt like I was in heaven or something, man. You yeah. know, just, just grooved. And they was at the Kilburn State Theater. And, and I, I performed there a few times myself, because I had to perform in England. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, after I got out of the service, went on the road, like maybe sometime twice a year, I would perform in, in London, mm -hmm. in, in Birmingham. Yeah. So, anyway, the next day in the paper, was it the, the uh, London Times? Mm -hmm. the, uh, the critics put in there, John Coltrane lost his mind. He's playing above the people's head. He, he, he's going out there. This is talking about my favorite things, man. Yeah. And the homie dance and all that stuff was grooving. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, wow. oh, it was terrible, you know? So, so I, we, we said, what? Yeah. That, that music was grooving, Groove, man. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, anyway, so that's that a good, good, experience, good experience. I had right. to serve with met some nice people. And, and uh, so people took me under under their wing. I learned a lot. Yeah. So then I came came back home to New yeah. Haven. Yeah. And February 1962. And back then New Haven, oh, was jazz galore. Hmm. So we we're sitting in my house here right now having this, this interview. So we walked down the, to the corner. Yeah. There was at the corner there was uh, uh, there was two jazz clubs there, 
keep going straight to, to um, another half a block mm-hmm. to Winchester Avenue, make a right and go in about 50 feet. Yeah. Something like that. 50, not even 50 yards, you know, less than 50 yards. Um, there's another jazz club there called the Playback. That was Willie, Willie Ruff's um, jazz club. Mm-hmm. Up to the corner here, uh, go up the corner, make a left. There's the Monterey. That was real, real known. There's another, another place, the Recorder Club was two, two blocks down from that. Then the Golden Gate was uh, two blocks down from there. I had all these jazz clubs right here. Yeah. Walking distance. Wow. I mean, walking distance, man. This was, oh, man, there was so much jazz in New Haven. Some great musicians. Everybody worked. Even even on like a Friday, Saturday, even the worst guys worked. And, and jazz <laughs> and jazz yeah. jazz was going six nights a week. Yeah. Yeah, six nights a week. And and, and they have jam sessions yeah. on, 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 the, on the Mondays. And, and Saturday, Sunday afternoons they used to have matinees. Yeah. And, and Saturday afternoon jam sessions. Oh, it was it was it was. It so was, you came back. So you were playing just con- play, constantly oh, oh, playing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so so um, what I did to to, to to buy my drums, I took a job um, at the post office. Mm-hmm. So I got got the money to get my drums. Yeah. Then I quit the post office. People were saying, uh, they were saying you you gonna you gonna leave a government job pension. Yeah. I said, man, I said, <laughs> so how much how much work you have? So I had for six weeks. I had like I think it was two weeks in, in Hartford and six weeks in, and four weeks in Boston. Mm-hmm. And they said you gonna leave for that? I said yes. I said this this is this is my mission in life. Yeah. I was never off. Yeah. Never off. I don't know what being off is. Right. Never. Someone said to me, "So you going to New York this time?" No, I'm not going to New York this time. I'm going to New York to work. But one of the things that that um, kept me first of all the guys here in New Haven they took me under their wing Johnny Hammond Smith Houston Person Houston still living um, Dickie Myers a great alto player mm-hmm. uh, Vernon Biddles who, who played piano and, and organ he's been with Ike Day Triano, tri, Trio um, 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 uh, Bobby Cole who's a drummer him uh, uh, Curly Glover great pianist all, and all the groups that came through yeah, um, Eddie McFadden, all all these guys, so many great groups came through here. And then there's a drummer from Boston, Leo Leo Johnson. I mean Leo Stevens. I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> Leo Johnson. He, he's he's a saxophone player. Matter of fact, he's on that uh, yeah. "They Will Come" thing with with uh, Irene Reed. Oh yeah, okay. That's playing sax on that. Yeah. So yeah, the Leo Stevens, he he, he taught me you know my reading and mm-hmm. you know got me got me going good and fine tuning my rudiments. Was there a time like where you were really practicing? Like, were you were you playing these gigs? Were you practicing all day, like during the day, or like? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Practice. I practice a lot. I mean, I sometimes in the evening, so that I would disturb, you know, my parents and everything. I mean, I came out of service, you know, I would take my um, take my drums and I go by, by a, a West Rock and, and go out there because there wasn't a lot of houses back there mm-hmm. in, the, in the early '60s. I go set my drums up out there in West Rock where I could play and then mm. not disturb people. I, mean, I, was, right. I used to practice, and right. I still practice. You know, I, I tell, I tell um, all, all, all my students, up-and-coming up musicians, that you have to practice. Practice don't make you perfect. I said, well, practice makes what? They said, perfect. I said, no, it doesn't. You never be perfect. Practice makes you better. And you keep practicing, you get good. You keep doing, you get excellent, but you, you never be pa- uh, uh, perfect. And then, then if you sit down and just sit and practice and what you already know, you just warming up. You're supposed to warm up. Now you're supposed to try to go to take what you what you what you try to do to another another new horizon, new levels. 
You know what I'm saying? That's right. really practicing. Warming up and practicing are two different things. Right. So, you know, it's all right to warm up. You keep your chops up. Yeah. Because, what you're, especially if you're a trumpet player, you got to keep the horn in your mouth because mm-hmm. you lose your lip. But mm-hmm. uh, as a drummer, you know, we want to, you know, try to uh, take, not just a drummer, but a musician, period. You want to take, take it to new heights. You know, try to exactly. express yourself. Because <clears throat> exactly. you're not the same person that you were when, when you're 20, 28. You're not the same person you were when you're 18. Right. When you're 18, you're not the same person you were when you were 8. When did you first start getting some gigs with like some name players? Okay, I I um, I came home in February '62, mm-hmm. and October '63 I went on the road. And um, I had a first of all I have to say this: Houston and Houston Person and and, and uh, Dickie Myers and all them, uh, uh, Vernon Biddles, all them guys. What they did, they um. I mean, they were rough on me. They were rough on me because a lot of the other guys had more experience than I had. Mm-hmm. Much older, been playing longer, you know, they, they uh, had more experience. So one time, they, they, they saw me so rough, I said, I'll tell you what. I started unpacking my cymbals. I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm quitting. I said, uh, I said, I said you guys do kind of rough on me. I said, maybe I'm not up to par. You know, I said, maybe you guys need to get one of these other guys. I said, put them cymbals back up there, you know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Said we wanted them, they'd be there. You here? Right. And said we giving this to you. Yeah. I'm saying we we gonna groom you. So we get through with you, you are gonna be ready, and you are gonna take this stuff. We are not gonna line up on you. Get, you know. So we want them. They tired. You fresh. You know. Said we giving this to you. Yeah. So, so I said, oh man, made me feel good. You know. Yeah, man. <laughs> so so uh, when I left, when I left, went on the road in October, '63. I had it had it together. Yeah, you know, I had a lot to lot to learn, but I had to, I had to, I yeah. was a groove city. I was a groove. <laughs> groove city. That's awesome. Yeah, they, they taught me how to groove, man. <laughs> so, and that's the name of the game. If you're a drummer, you know, you, you, it's about grooving, the swinging. Yeah. And and and, and uh, they, they taught me how to uh, interact, how to be supportive. Right. You know, not not you know, you you're supportive. You be there like comping. Mm-hmm. What they call comping, the, the piano's behind somebody's solo, playing the chords, or what the drummer's doing with, the, you know, with our, our, our snare drum, my left hand. If you left, if you right hand, mm-hmm. snare and the bass drum, that's comping. And they said no, comping. Some people say comping, but it's really should be complementing. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So some people just say comping for those those rhythmic patterns that are, right. that are played behind the solos. But right. the guys taught me, said no, man, it's complementing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I went out there complimenting people, trying to trying to groove and. Um, try to keep a good positive attitude and, and the kind of person people love to be around. Mm. So back then, I mean, we, we would travel. You could, you'd be in a town, like I said, I had two weeks in, 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 in Hartford mm-hmm. and four weeks in Boston. The two weeks in Hartford were not the same club. The four weeks in Boston were not the same club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. You understand? So yeah. <laughs> six nights a week at the same same place. And back then, Boston had a day and a night uh, um, um, show. Not show, uh, day and a night life. Okay. And same way San Francisco was like that too. So so you had some guys in San Francisco. Some guys were boom. I don't know how they did it. You know because you got you had to sleep sometimes. So they had a, a whole thing going on in the daytime in Boston and in San Francisco. Then they had another group of cats working working worked at night. Hmm. So there was like a day gig. <laughs> yeah, at the club. club. Clubs would be open in daytime. Some people would be in there. You know, because Boston you had a lot of people that like you know, a lot of. Uh, 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 Office people and whatnot, they come right. in 
in the afternoon for lunch and right. You know, uh, so they might, the gig so, might go from like one in the afternoon to yeah, like six yeah, or something, something like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, wow, <laughs> Frisco was like that too. You know, what I'm wow. And then at night you worked, you worked, worked at night. So, and and then back then, uh, Berkeley was just beginning to happen, mm -hmm. and it wasn't like it is now. Right. So. We used to go there. Here I'm like 22, 23 years old. We used to go to Boston. Mm -hmm. They used to love for us to come to Berkeley to talk to the students so the students would get a chance to talk to a, a traveling musician. Right. that's out there that's, that's, that's doing it. doing it, it yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so, um, so I, um, um, I, I, was, I was working um, with um, good, 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 good groups. Good groups, 63, yeah. um, 64, I think it was 65 when I joined Charles Erlin's group. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, I started working with all name groups. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So you're mainly on the road around this time? Were you mainly doing road gigs? Or were you coming back to New Haven all the time? Or? No, I was on the road. I moved to New York. Yeah, you moved to New York. Yeah, I moved to New York. So what neighborhood did you move to in New York? At first, I'm, I'm, I was uh, in the Bronx for, for a minute. Then mm -hmm. I, then I, then I uh, moved in, into Harlem. Yeah. So I stayed in Harlem. Until uh, 71, I moved to the Bronx. Okay. So, um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like? You were already pretty much an established drummer. I mean, you were already working as a professional drummer, but you moved to New York. Um, did you go out on the scene and try and, you know, like meet new people, make new connections, and, you know, oh, yes. keep it going? And, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I was fortunate, New Haven being the mecca that it was up here. Yeah. And Hartford, Hartford, Hartford also. Yeah. So here in New Haven, I met so many of the groups that came through here. Yeah. So when I went to New York, I knew a lot of New York musicians anyway. Right. And then, and, and the New York key was, was you 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 hang out hang out at, at, at sessions. Mm -hmm. You know, go to jam sessions and meet people. And and back then, a lot of us young guys, when every time a new new young guy come in town, we say, man, not 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 the young guys in town. So let's go check them out. Mm -hmm. So we go check them out and. And, and see, see, who, introduce ourselves to him. Right. And, you know, so we, we bring him in, like like when back when uh, Melvin, when George Benson, I, I was there before George Benson. Mm -hmm. George Benson comes and say, man, got another young cat here, man, George Benson, man. Because we knew about, about George, he, but he's with uh, Jack McDuff, you know, mm -hmm. and we said, yeah, man, the Melvin Spots came, you know, said, we got another young cat. Yeah, man, all these, all these different guys came. Right. And so so a lot of guys uh, would go to, go to, go to, go to uh, sessions and hang, Mm -hmm. So so many sessions. So Billy Hart, <laughs> yeah, Billy Hart. You say so 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 Billy, Billy said, man, know the way I do. It. I said what? Billy said, so I go to each spot, man. He said so many so many clubs, so many sessions. So so Billy Hart said, here's, here's what I do, man. So, so I started I started kind of doing what Billy was doing. Billy said I, I, I map out a certain geographical area. <laughs> he said then I then I roll in there and. Stay about 10, 15 minutes, and some 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 I play, some he doesn't play. Right. You go through there, and say, hey man, how you doing? Speak to everybody. Then then people, say, oh hey Billy man, look, I got a gig. So and so so keep. Right, right. <laughs> so so uh, then then the next week he he he'll do another geographical area because so many clubs man. So, right. Wow. Where where I was doing, I was going in one place and hanging for a long time. Going another place, I might I might hit two or three places in one night. Right. Billy hit a whole bunch of them. Right. I, I like that, but I like because yeah. we learn from stuff from each other, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, for the, uh, the drummers, back the, back in the early '60s, there was no no really a, 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 a lot of schools that you can go to learn jazz. Right. So we learned from each other. Yeah, we learned from each other. And then I learned on, on the on the job uh, uh, with uh, 
people like Stanley Turrentine and Lou Donaldson and uh, um, um, uh, me and um, um, Lonnie Smith, Dr. Lonnie Smith, the mm -hmm. organist, and Melvin Sparks. Yeah. Fat Ann Newman, we had a band, you know. Um, um, then um, with uh, I had a, another another band myself, uh, Walter Bishop Jr., mm -hmm. Herman Wright, and Phil Phil Ashley from uh, from Detroit, mm -hmm. and Tommy Tommy uh, Turn Tommy Turrentine was in that band, mm -hmm. and also played with Tommy Turrentine when I was with Stanley Turrentine, mm -hmm. and like Stanley Turrentine, like when in Harlem, I was living 134th and 7th. Mm -hmm. That was uh, Roy Campanella, the great. Uh, Hall of Fame um, um, uh, catcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay, that was that was that was his his building. Okay, and he's be around the, around there almost every day. He had a liquor store downstairs. Right. So I lived five flights up, and people people talk about Stanley man. It's like Stanley Turrentine, he used to drive, pick me up, run upstairs, help me carry my drums downstairs, and then when the gigs over, bring me back, help me carry back upstairs. Man, Stanley wow. was was nice to me, nice. man. You know, uh, nice, man. you know. So, I mean, I learned. From so many cats on, you know, on on on, um, on the job, yeah. on the on the job, I was I was blessed to play with so many so many people and hang out with so many different people and and and, and, and you know and learn at the, at the jam sessions, and, mm -hmm. you know uh, it was it was it was nice, man. Uh, you know, I had 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 a, had a good 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 career. Then later on, I started doing some teaching too. See, my father told me, he said, "Look, what you're doing is important. So you got to stay with this. I don't care what happens. If you ever meet a woman." That doesn't want you to do this, and that's the wrong woman for you. This is your, this is you. So, so God gave you this. Mm. So don't you stop this for anybody. Yeah. He said, what you do is important, like Count Basie and Duke Ellington. Mm. He says, but one thing you have to learn how to do, which I can't give you advice on it. You have to find somebody that's in the in the industry to help you with that. You have to find a way, also, to make money when you're not sitting behind the drums. He said, I know there's ways in music to do that. Mm. So you have to find ways to make money when you're not sitting behind the drums. Yeah. So, I, I did a little little producing, you know, like the Irene Reed thing. Yes, yeah. you had. So I, I I produced two two old CDs on Irene Reed, and mm -hmm. um, I had a little label for, for a minute, and a couple of things on the label I didn't produce. Uh, Benny Powell, he he put his on my, on my label, and mm -hmm. um, that was that was why don't you say yes sometime, and um, um, the neo bass ensemble with um, um, oh come on, uh, Loud Atkinson. He was, he was leading that group, and mm -hmm. he uh, put his on my CD, uh, his CD on my label. So then, uh, shortly after that, I moved. I moved to Connecticut, so I stopped doing the label. I I plan on I plan on getting back into that though. Right. So so for I want to go back for a second to to New York. So you said you left New York in the early seventies, is that right? No, no, no. I left. I, 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 um, I, not New York. I moved in 1971 to the Bronx. Into the Not, Bronx. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved to the Bronx. Okay. Cause, because uh, at that time, I didn't have anyone particularly in mind. But I said, I, I said to myself, I said, now nah, I'm ready to get married. Mm -hmm. So whenever I find the right person. So Harlem was nice, but that's not where if I wanted, being born in New Haven and raised in New Haven, that's not where I would want to raise children. Mm -hmm. I wanted, like in the Bronx, you have parks and trees and all that. Yeah. My man had the concrete jungle, yeah. you know. So in the Bronx, you got trees and everything, and so, so I moved up to the Bronx, and then I was in a nice, nice, nice uh, high-rise building, and then I um, moved the, the same year to an, another uh, place, a, a private house. It was nice, 229th Street, 
It's great uh, grapevine in the in the front, grapevine in the back. Hmm. I could reach out out the bedroom and take pears off the tree and stuff. Wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so and then shortly after that, I met my wife and got married. You know, I got married okay. in 1973. Okay. You know, so so I, I knew that my spirit was was ready to get to get to get married. That's mm -hmm. why I moved to moved to the Bronx and. So we'll take you to go from the Bronx to Manhattan. Twenty minutes, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> so it's all the same subway line as the Harlem. The number, get a number two train. Right. <laughs> so, uh, were you also doing road work at this time? Oh, were yeah, you also going the, out? And yeah, I was on the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I stayed on the road for a long time. Yeah. But when I wasn't on the road, you know, I worked in New York. So, um, a, a lot of cats knew me when I was when I uh, I had my itinerary. I show cats my itinerary. You know. Mm -hmm. That's my, I need you on the gig. I said, that's fine. I'll be back so on so 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 day. I was never off. I always right. work. I was always, always, always work. And were you teaching in New York as well? Yes, a little yes, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was teaching at my house for a while, and then I um, rented a studio from from this um, pianist that I knew. Mm -hmm. He used to do a lot of lot of lot of uh, lot of uh, private gigs, mm -hmm. and so he rented 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 me a, a, a basement in his brownstone. Gotcha. Okay, the name is. Um, um, Can't say the guy's name. Uh, oh, come on. Oh boy, I'm getting bad. I'm getting bad with names here. <laughs> sure, that's all right, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can see his face face clear. But anyway, uh, I, I, I rented rented a uh, space space from him. I was, I was teaching out teaching. I had my own studio there in Harlem hmm. on Strivers Row. Okay. You know, you, you heard Strivers Row? I don't think so. Strivers Row was like back in the uh, 30s and the 40s. It's an area where a lot of the uh, African Americans that had a little bit of money, you know, they had had all the real nice brownstones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Um. So, one of my favorite things. Sorry, I'm saying it again. So, one of my favorite things about, you know, being a drummer is just hanging out with other drummers. I know, like in Boston, like we'll see each other after gigs at clubs or whatever, or we'll maybe organize a little like lunch hang during the day sometime and get together and play some drums or whatever. So was that kind of thing happening for you when, when you were in New York in, the, in that time, yes, yes. your contemporaries? Yes. As a matter of fact, my house is one of the houses where the drums would come to because I, I love to cook. Mm -hmm. Right. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, so the cats would come hang in my house. Now, even the saxophonists and yeah, all, yeah. everybody else. Everybody else. Kind of, kind of hang, hang. Know where the but, good food yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, we used to get together and, and, and hang. Um, on, on the road, when we was going on the road, every, everywhere we were, there was uh, all the drummers would get together, the saxophone players would get together. Right. You know, right. The drummers at the daytime would get together, hang and, and share together. And sure. Say, man, what you working on? Working on this, man. What you working on, man? man show me how to do this, man. Yeah, oh, man, how you do that? And so we would share. Cash was open, man. You yeah. Know? Camaraderie, man. We got guys with this, 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 this right. open, and every town you went to, there were some giants. Yeah. That you know, like they, everybody didn't have a big name. Right. You know, but there's some giants, and every town you went to, that could play. Yeah, man. So yeah, so I, I, that's what I'm saying. I learned a lot from from the giants I worked with, and from being on the road at sessions. Right. And, and you know, every town I go to, even even a lot of towns we go to, we had a lot a lot of people that would study from us. Same person I studied from here, from Billy Hart or somebody, or Joe Dukes or whoever, right. or, 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 or Roy Brooks, or so, so different towns you go to, there's, there's people that, that will study from when you get there. So I have certain, certain towns I go there, I know I'm a couple, somebody going to take them lessons from me, you know, so. Right, sure. That, 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 that kind of thing, you know, so uh, we, uh, 
We had a, had a good time. See, the situation now, like now I'm, I'm over here in New Haven at Neighborhood Middle School. Yeah. <clears throat> Just finished here that this is um, 2017. Yeah. You know, the, uh, what's the date? What's the date? August 15th. 15th, yeah. So my jazz, jazz camp went from the 8th to the 12th. Yeah. And, and I have a guest come through every year. Mm-hmm. This this year, my guest was Lonnie Plastico, the bass player, mm-hmm. you know. And we did a did a concert. With, I, I performed with him and and uh, two other faculty members. So to to have a, a jazz camp like this with the the, the, the the people that come that come through here, we have we've we've had um, um, New Donaldson came through. Um, 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 Oh boy, uh, Christian Sanders came through there. Renee mm-hmm. McLean came through there. Uh, let, let, let me have that brochure I gave you. Um, um, there's so many people. People that come. I had a guy to come and visit on here. You got Curtis Fuller, Winard Harper, <laughs> Wayne Scarfrey, Henry Blewett, Rodney Jones, uh, and many, many other other mm-hmm. uh, great musicians that mm-hmm. that. Um, um, that, that 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 have come 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 through there. Yeah. So I didn't have the opportunity when I was young, 12, 13, 14, right. 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And, sp- and spent a, a week with these, these people like that, and yeah. you know, so, um, th- th- like Berkeley, you went to Berkeley. Berkeley wasn't yeah. like it is n- the way it is now. Right. Like, it wasn't like that when in the in the sixties. Right. You know. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So 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 people have you know like a lot of a lot of opportunities, you know now. Um, um, to, to learn from, from some masters, right? You know, and, and, and some of these uh, uh, institutions, yeah. And even back when, when in the fifties and the sixties, even in, in the um, traditional black colleges, like Harvard University and things mm-hmm. like that, they wouldn't teach, wouldn't teach the ass, right? Yeah. You know, so so it's a, it's a good time, you know, for for the young people now. They um, have a lot, lot, lot of a lot of places where they can really learn some great schools and yeah. some good good good, good teachers and. Yeah. You know, it's been good yeah, I when I was a, I met you I think after I came back from my first year of college because Justin Ottaviano had connected with you and he was yeah, like, you yeah. got to call up this guy Jesse Hamid in New Haven. <laughs> we hung out and uh, man, it was I learned so much from you and you showed oh, me you. so much kindness and uh, encouragement. You know, and and it's like what you said. It's like what your father told you. It's like, you know, you've this is what you're born to do. You've got to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. Uh, you, you recognize you, that, and you you know, <laughs> got me on the right path, man. Uh, so Jesse, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, it's it's great to see you, man. Right, and and, and uh, also I just want to say one thing, is that there's worlds within music, worlds. So. Someone has to make the music, but I'm, but I mean make the music. They have to have to compose the music. Someone has to uh, arrange it, the, the music. Someone has to uh, perform the music. Someone has to make the instruments, be, repair the instruments. Someone has to do the graphics. And someone has to have to uh, 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 purchase and manage venues. Uh, someone has to. Um, Develop programs. You know, for instance, at my at my jazz camp, I had this guy Mark Mark Cuss. He, he's, uh, he's he has a PhD and he's he's at 
University of Southern Connecticut, him and his partner, Jesse Rascio, they just developed an app that you put a call in and it shows you all these different variations of where the call can go that would help, pe help people to, to um, with, the, with their compositions and arranging. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so people have, you have to develop, we're in the age of the technical age, they have to develop uh, 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 technical applications that people can use to, to, to for, for performance. Um, uh, one, of, one of my uh, friends, uh, he came to me, he had his head down because he repairs instruments. I asked me, do not engage him, I'm getting more uh, in my repair area. I said, man, that's one of the worlds of music. Put your head up. Yeah. I said, man, and market that. So you still do your gigs, but you're putting out that you, you repair instruments. Yeah. You, you know, the bottom line is that don't be a jazz musician, a rock musician, or, or Afro-Cuban musician, you know, um, 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 a punk rock musician, whatever. Be a musician. And there's worlds in music. Just find the different worlds. Everybody got to look at searching itself. People have a lot of other things that you like doing, a lot of other talents. So see now, what, what other things I like doing? So look at that and say, now how can I develop them? How can that be used in the, in, in the macro world of music? Mm -hmm. That, that 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 more likely is one is in one of the micro worlds, you know. So, so yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, cause people, you want to you want to have a, a house. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to send your children to college. You want you want to be able to provide for your for your family. You know, you want to, people want to live a decent life. Not about about struggling. You don't want to right. struggle financially your whole life. And sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's great advice, man. All right, let's go play some drums. <laughs> All right, Ooh, so keep the group. Keep the group. <laughs> this episode was produced and edited by me, Andrew Jones. The theme song was a collaboration between Matt Pendergast and myself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in the podcast app and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation to this podcast on our homepage at www.andrewhalljones.com. You'll see a link for A Musician's Life. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at amusiciansLifePodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at MusicianLifePod. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. And remember, time with music is time well spent. <laughs>